Hello, welcome to a Veterans Drinking Vodka production of Article 15. Here at Article 15, we are attempting to bring both awareness and an end to 22 veterans committing suicide every day. To speak to everyday veterans with everyday issues for veterans acclimating back to civilian life. Today we have retired gunnery sergeant Alex von Brooklyn. And uh, Alex served in the United States Marine Corps from February of 99 he medically, or he exited in uh, 2011 to go IRR, and came back to do some mobilizations. Gunnery sergeant served 17 years in Marine Corps, and always what I always heard: once a Marine, always a Marine. Gunny was with the, uh, he was an 0211. I'm not really sure being a Navy guy. Gunnery, I'm I'm proud to have you on board with me, brother. Uh, do you want to explain the uh, 0211 to me? Sure. It's uh, the the Navy has an equivalent. You guys have a pretty robust human team. So for all of the Army folks that are out there, it's the equivalent of a the 35 Mike 35 Lima Oxfields combined. The Marine Corps brings them both together into counterintelligence, human intelligence. So I did awesome. that from uh, 2003 until when I got out. Awesome. Awesome. Glad to, brother, I'm glad to have you on board, man. You know, I found you on social media on TikTok. Uh, I know it always sounds funny when grown men are talking about how they met on TikTok. So after your experience with the military, you obviously you uh, you got out for a brief stint uh, and you went to the reserves and then you wound up going back. Can you explain, because I know when, because I do active reserves now, I know that I got out of the active duty, I got out of active duty back in 06, and I got that, what I call an itch, you know, you got to get back to it, you got to put that uniform back on. Did you have anything like that in there? So, when I got out, when I initially got out the first time, it was a, it was an interesting process. In 2010, the beginning of 2010, I lost my father and my son was born and it was a, a very, very pivotal year for me. And I decided to make some big life decisions at the end of the year. So at the end of 2010, I decided, you know what, what am I going to do with my life? Am I going to reenlist? Am I going to stay in the Marine Corps? At that point in time, I was at a joint command in the Beltway. And I knew that if I reenlisted, there was no two ways about it. I was going back out to the fleet. I was taking a team of guys back out. I was going out to Afghanistan. It was kind of written on the wall. There was no two ways about it. And I had an opportunity dropped in my lap, man. And that was to get out and open a bar. And that was pretty much what I did. I, um, middle of 2011, I got out of the Marine Corps. And I never looked back at that point. At least I thought I ne was never going to look back. And I got out and I opened up a full-service restaurant and bar in Baltimore. And I went all in, moving 120 miles an hour nonstop for two years. And it was a uh, it was a great experience. Learned a lot, did a lot, met some met some absolutely amazing people. Yeah, failed wonderfully. At the end of the bar, I, I really kind of again had a pivotal moment where I had to reevaluate what I was doing with my life. Had an opportunity. We had a new command stood up in Maryland at that point. Had an opportunity to go into the individual mobilization augmentee program, which I had no idea what it was, and it kind of it gave me that opportunity for me to. to step back into the Marine Corps, into what I thought I was going to be doing, but I had already been removed from the Marine Corps for two years. 
So it was it was even more of an interesting transition back into the Marine Corps than it was out of the Marine Corps. I would I was just thinking it's pretty fitting that a Marine would open up another bar. I was just thinking about that. It's funny how the Marine Corps started and now you guys continue on the uh, yeah. the traditions of opening up more bars. You know how many guys sit on the back of a Humvee or you know sit on the a flight deck of a freaking carrier talking about, oh, I'm going to open a bar when I get out. And I just said, you know what? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do it. And, and I'm going to do it. Well, I mean, we, we, being in those military towns, we know exactly what we need. We don't need more restaurants. We need more bars. We need no, no clothing lines. We need more bars. There's never enough bars for our military. So you, uh, during, during your active duty time, you were there 2003 battle of Fallujah. We won't get too much into that, but I just, you know, that that's, your reputation through the Marine Corps is a pretty strong name. Just hearing the name Gunny, I, I, I've always loved that. You know, watching the um, Heartbreak Ridge, Gunny Highway is the only Gunny that I, I, I ever picture in my head. So um, you guys did have, obviously, a, an extremely rough time. It was one of the most infamous battles that we had to deal with in one of our military, in our military history, exiting out of the military. You went back into that, that mobilization. It, I can't even say it right now, but you did mob and uh, you, you finally completely got out January, 2016. How has your transition been kind of acclimating back to civilian life? So I, I was probably in a, a much different boat than a lot of other folks that had transitioned out. Even while I was still active duty for the last handful of years, I was active duty from 2007 to 2011. I was operating in a civilian environment. Even in my last deployment in 2007, I was pretty much operating in a civilian environment. So I had exposure to the civilian world and to all the other branches of service. We worked in a joint environment, in a joint training environment. So it was, I had a lot of different exposures. It wasn't just Hardline Marine Corps, 0530 PT, 0730 Chow. I I had already broken away from that for my time in the Marine Corps. So when I first stepped out, I kind of never even paid attention to it because I just kept myself so busy. And, uh, you know, this was in 2011. I never really had a chance to pay attention to what that transition was. I just, I buckled down and I moved at 120 miles an hour. And I never looked back. I never gave myself that opportunity to really look to see, you know, hey, things are not quite the same in the civilian world as they are in the the active military world. And then it was actually my transition started before I got out of the Marine Corps in 2016 at my last command. In 2014, I kind of, my daughter was born. And I think what happened is everything in my life started to slow down. So that 120 mile an hour pace that I had been keeping for the, you know, the, the previous eight, 10 years started slowing down and I started seeing life around me kind of taking place without me fully involved in it. I, I hit a brick wall in 14, man. I, and I absolutely just mentally and physically broke. And that's why in, uh, in, in 2014, I actually started the, the late 2014. I started the, if you would, the transition process where I went through trauma recovery program down at Walter Reed and spent a good amount of time in every different kind of behavioral health program that they had down at Walter Reed. was put in through a, uh, the med board process and I spent all of 2015 pretty much just taking care of myself and trying to figure out what it meant for me to try to live a normal life, if you will. So by the time I actually came to when I was medically retired in the beginning of 16, 
I had already been working on myself completely removed from any kind of active duty capacity for well over a year at that point. So I think it definitely set me up pretty well for when I got out. Cause when I got out, I just, again, man, I, I hit the ground running. I took a little bit of a break to do some organizational stuff in my life. And then just, I hit the ground running. And instead of going 120 this time, I kind of cranked it back up to a good 75, 80 mile an hour speed. And I've been trucking at that speed since. Oh yeah, brother. While you were still, somewhat active capacity, you were finding resources to help you deal, as you said, the, you know, the, that active trauma, that, that uh, combat trauma that you had, had suffered. This is while you were still wearing the uniform, correct? Yeah, absolutely. How do you try to put to young Marine sailors, airmen, soldiers, coasties, whatever the space, the guardians, the space force guardians, whatever they are now, how would you explain to these young men and women that are not only just joining today, but have been in for maybe about maybe one tour? How do you put to them that it, it is very vital for them to try to hit up these resources while they still have the uniform on? The, the, the resources that are available while you're in uniform and when you come out of uniform are just absolutely amazing. And what I would encourage people to do, and I, I talk to people about this that are still on active duty, man, is don't let all of your experiences get bottled up and just wait until the cork pops. And I'm a perfect example of that. Like I literally bottled everything up for you know a decade. And in 2014, it just, you know, the, the cork popped and, and it just, my breaking point was a new Lieutenant that came into the command and I just, I didn't <laughs> like the guy and it just, you know, it, Things didn't work out. And we literally, we were about to go toe to toe. And that's when my command had to step in and say, hey, uh, we think that you might need some help. And of course, me being stubborn and, and arrogant as I was, I, said, I don't need any damn help. I'm perfectly fine, man. I got out. I already opened a bar. I got a family. I'm doing well. Come to find out that, you know, I, I had my issues and um, nobody, and I mean, nobody out there is going to take care of you the way you can take care of yourself. So for any of the young guys, that are, guys or gals that are listening, that, that have been through some shit or dealing with it and living with it and keeping it in their head, you know, at, at the end of the day, the only person in this world who is truly going to step up to help you is yourself. Because if you're not stepping up to help yourself, you can't expect anybody else to step up to go to bat for you. You can't expect anybody else to stand up to help you out if you're not willing to help yourself. You are so right. I was the same exact way. So I got my, you know, my couple of tours. I got five trips to the Middle East. And I'll tell you what, I got to tour Oman with the Marines. If anybody out there that's listening has a chance to go anywhere with the Marines, go ahead and pass on that. That was by far, although the Marines are hysterical and they try to make the best of every situation, you guys show up and, man... It, it's it's a rough go at it for the first couple of days and nobody knows what's going on. Like, well, we're just going to start building stuff. That'll be it. This, this is how we're going to do this. I was with them in Oman. That, that was a, that was just, it was funny time. Those guys are hysterical, but I, I was in Balad, Iraq. Uh, I had two tours out that way. And at the time they were calling it Mortar Ritaville. When we first got in the flight strip that was right by us was already mortared up. And, you know, we had, shoes that were already exploded out and you know so while we were there we got mortared 
Oh man, we got mortared over 200 and something times and we were only there for a short period. So when I got back, I didn't think anything of it. And just like you were saying, it you didn't think anything had changed because you were coming back, you were fired up, amped up for life. You were ready to rock and roll. And I didn't, I wasn't married my first boots on ground tour. So when I came back, I was just doing my, my single life. You know, I was, I was, I would have been frequenting your bar. That would have been me. Once I started to slow down a little bit more, like you were saying, all the life just started kind of slowing down a little bit more. Things started to kind of get to me and I, I didn't think anything of it. I just thought that I was an asshole and that I, I'm, I'm getting too sensitive about things. I wound up getting married and doing another deployment back to Iraq and uh, came back. And my wife had told me, she's like, you're not the same anymore. I was like, this one was much easier than the first. What, what are you talking about? I'm not, I'm the same guy. Everything's the same. 2016. Uh, no, wait, that was where my boys were born. My daughter was born in 2013. And my boys who are straight up boys were born 2016. I got a four-year-old bad out of hell. He's four now and he does everything a four-year-old boy is supposed to do. He runs around screaming his head off, jumps off of everything. He face planted into my flooring and I was in the basement. He just jumps off of stuff for no reason. And I'm in the basement and this booms. I mean, it, it sounds like a straight up mortar just dropped outside the house. I, I wind up jumping because of it. You know, it's not something that I'm like, oh man, I'm, I'm a fucked up individual. It just, as I talked with uh, one of my buddies on another one, uh, another podcast, we talk about this fight or flight mode that the human body goes through. And through our training and our experiences, we tend to have to get rid of the flight mode. We have to go straight to our fight mode right away. And that's what my body winds up going into. So my whole body goes to a quick shock. And then I recognize where I'm at. And I wind up having to dump all of that adrenaline right away. And it is exhausting. And, you know, whatever other night tears that I've had to go through, keeps me up at, you know, wakes me up in the middle of the night. And I wind up not being able to fall asleep. I walk around the house. I check locks. I check windows. I make sure everything's all right and try and figure out how to go back to sleep. My body goes through this sleep deprivation and I get irritable. And yeah, I guess in the best way to put it sensitive and uh, just trying to deal with that on a daily basis. And as you said, what I would say to you is don't deal with it. Conquer it. Don't, yes. don't just yeah. deal with it. Don't deal with it as just, oh, this is just how it's going to be. And I just have to deal with it because, you know, I have PTSD and I have night terrors. You have to make that, you have to step up, every one of us. And this is where I say we are all responsible for our own actions. We have to learn the, the tools and the tactics that are out there to change the, the person that we are. For me, and it's different for every person, where I have to be on a regimented schedule. I mm-hmm. have to go to sleep. I have to get a minimum of seven hours of sleep. There's no two ways about it. I've grown to the point where I have to do that for myself because if I'm not able to do that for myself, I'm not able to to be here physically and mentally for my children, for my family, and for my business. Yes, sir. And the way I've gone about doing that is is getting myself, and it doesn't happen overnight. It's getting myself on a regimented schedule where okay, eight thirty at night, I'm in sleep. I'm asleep, and I go to sleep at eight thirty at night because I'm up at four four thirty every morning, and yeah. I try to work out. I try to do my yoga and I try to do my breathing exercises and I give myself the, the, the time and the leeway for me to take care of myself before anything else happens every morning. And it's just a matter of, you know, the, the whole fight or flight responses, that's not going away. 
That's, mm-hmm. And that's not, in my opinion, is too. That has nothing to do with PTSD. That has nothing to do with combat. That's just life. If you take a, a person who's never been in combat and you put them in a similar situation to where something loud triggers them, they're going to have a similar response. The difference is our biological response after that initial stimulus. So just like you said, where your adrenaline spiked and it's hard to calm down and then you're, you're freaking drained and everything else, man, all of that, those are all things that you can learn to use to better yourself, to put yourself into an environment where, you know, when that happens for me, and again, I, I, anytime I talk to anybody about this, I don't try to tell anybody else of what they need to do. I can only share what I've done that's worked for me. And when that happens, and it's an agreement that I have with my wife and my kids, and it does happen from time to time, I need to walk away. And they need to give me that leeway where I need several minutes, and I will go step away from everything, and I will go through my grounding tools, and I will get myself regrounded. I will go through my breathing exercises. I had a service dog. She used to go with me everywhere. So she would be a constant reminder and allow me to, to, to use her as a grounding tool and having those in place and knowing what your grounding tools are and they're different for everybody, whatever they're going to be. But man, building them out is critical and knowing that you can build them out because there's not a cold chance in hell that I'm going to let some noise or some event or some crowd of people bar the me and shake me to the core where I'm no longer able to function. Like I'm oh, yeah. no way yeah. allowing somebody else that control over me anymore. So that's what I was getting at when I finally, so I'm uh, outside of the, uh, the reserves. Now I'm also a law enforcement officer and I was involved in a uh, police involved incident uh, in which I had to, I had to go and see a counselor just to be able to go back to uh, full duty with the, uh, with the police force. And this counselor that I was seeing, she introduced me to what's called the uh, headstrong project. And the Headstrong Project is a non-for-profit organization which gets veterans the mental health that they need. They also get their families the counseling as well to help them kind of understand it. So especially if you have younger kids, like mine are seven and I got two four-year-old boys to try and help them understand at their level what's going on with with myself, you know, if I have some type of issues. Um, So she wound up, just like you were saying, these tools that you, you got through while you were transitioning out of the military that kind of gave you these tools, these the breathing, ex- the combat breathing, the four seconds inhale, the four seconds hold, the four second exhale to try and, you know, ground yourself, as you were saying. She has also given me, you know, obviously I always say try and exercise a little bit more. Maybe that helps out. And there's there's other things to help try to be aware. And with having my my children just trying to be children, and I know you say you walk away. That to me, I love I love to be able to walk away from uh, from a situation just to kind of ground myself. But my wife is still trying to deal with that. She likes to be like involved and in trying to help me. And and I, I respect it. It's just one of those things like, no, 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 I'm good. Just let me let me be. So my uh, my counselor has been trying to tell me, keep yourself in the house when your son is doing that. It's a controlled environment and you're able to tell him to stop when if you feel to be getting to that point. but for right now, try and put yourself in those situations that you're still at least able to control. And uh, so that's that's one of the things I've been working on to build myself up, to be able to go to, as you were saying, l- louder noises and stuff like that. Uh, because I have children, man, and they want to go to like county fairs and they want to go to the fireworks shows and they want to go into, you know, enclosed buildings with lots of people inside of them. And 
those those are all spidey senses for me where it's like this is not a good spot for us to be but yeah that's transitioning have you you said that you talked about different tools walking away your breathing your yoga is there any other healthy tools that you're able to put out here for young military personnel and veterans that are uh, seeking some type of tools that might work that they can try out yep 100 percent, man so one of the things that i think that we as a culture and i don't mean just the veteran culture i mean american culture has done a terrible job of doing is really looking into personal development and building yourself as an individual so one of the ways that i've done that over the last you know, handful, good handful of years now is through reading and grabbing as many books as I can and devouring. And when I say grabbing books, full transparency, that's audible for me. I don't really sit yes, down sir. and read, read too many paper books, but anytime I'm in the car, you know, even just when I was going down to Walter Reed, it's an, almost an hour drive. So I'd have two hours a day where I'm listening to audible books and just grabbing these books and devouring them and taking the positives out of the books. You know, out of a 200-page book, there might only be one or two little nuggets that I'm getting out of it. But I'm taking those nuggets and I'm putting them in my, my toolbox and I'm actually putting them into practice. Little things that I, I don't even remember where I got them from, but that have helped me out over the years. So first thing in the morning, when I wake up in the morning, I am on a, a pretty damn strict routine. Like I could walk you through my morning routine for the first 15 minutes, probably uh, 12 minutes down to literally like the footsteps that I take. And some of that involves one of the first things in the morning is I'm, I'm getting myself a 32 ounce glass of water and I pound the entire glass of water. And that's how I start my day because a lot of people don't put into account the, the physical mixed with the mental part of it. Because if your body is not properly taken care of, if you're not properly hydrated, your body and your mind is not able to operate at the optimal, you know, uh, you know, ability. And then I go through and I do my yoga in the morning and just that stretching out has really allowed me the, the space in my mind for me to be able to relax. And that first hour in the morning before I do anything, that's my hour, period. Like my kids better not wake up. My wife better not wake up. That is my hour. That is my hour to focus on me, period. And nobody in this world will take that away from me. And having that control, having that power back over my life where it's like, no matter what I have going on, no matter what I have on my plate for the day, that first hour, and it doesn't matter if it's an hour or 15 minutes, but having that portion of time where no matter what is happening, that time is mine, that has been huge for me. And it's allowed me to really sit down and, and kind of look at my day before my day starts and know, okay, this day, it's, you know, it might've been a complete and total chaos the day before, but it's a fresh start and it's giving me a fresh start to move forward. And again, that's, that's something that I gained. I didn't make this up. I'm not like a revolutionary person where I'm like, Oh, this is a brand new idea. That is something that I gained that I learned from one of the books that I had read. I, I couldn't even tell you where I could attribute it to. It might've been tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss was a great book. That is, I encourage everybody to, to read and build yourself and find the things that you want to do because there's so much information out there right now that there's, there's really no excuses. And in my yeah. opinion, really no excuses. There's more resources and more tools out there than ever, ever before. Another thing is, is finding something that you're, you're passionate about again, because I know for a lot of guys, and, and I will speak broadly on this, not just about me, but I know for a lot of guys, 
and and I say guys, I, when I say guys, please let me clarify, guys and gals. You know, I just I, I speak in blue. <laughs> but when when folks get out of the military, man, there's something that's missing, and it's something that a lot of people were very passionate about, very dedicated to, whether it's for four years or for forty years. And a lot of times, man, there's that gap that's there when you get out, and it's not having that purpose and that passion to, to dedicate yourself to. So my encouragement to everybody is find that purpose and that passion. And it genuinely, it does not matter what it is. I don't care if you're a garbage man, if you get out and decide to become a garbage man, which is a perfectly respectable, you know, uh, you know, um, lifestyle. And that's what you want to do. Be passionate about it and love what you do. If all you do is you get out and you're a stay at home mom or dad, be the best damn stay-at-home mom or dad that you could ever imagine being. If you get out and you're a pastor, be the best, damn best pastor in your entire parish. And you get out there and you be great at what you're doing and you allow what you've learned in the military to carry over. And I, I don't care if it's basket weaving. I don't care if it's making beads. I don't care if it's blogging, whatever it is, find a passion. And, and it's not going to be, and you have to be realistic about it. It's not going to be what you did in the military because most things that we do in the military don't always transfer over period you're very right on that i'm a bosun mate i'm not sure if you're familiar with what we do we we yeah. paint the ships and we drag yeah line around and rope and stuff like that so yeah. it didn't it didn't go over well like what did you do in the military well i swept decks and uh stuff like that but that you really hit it on the, the head there gurney when you said they get out and that that purpose, that purpose, that meaning when you get out, that that passion again, man, I, I, I have been just trying to beat this into people's brains. And that's the problem. I try too hard to, to tell people this. We have as military personnel, we have spent so long listening to that voice of the name on the left breast pocket. And we, where to go, where to be, how to get there, when we're going to go, who we're going with. And we stopped, we stopped talking and learning and listening from the, the name on the right breast pocket. That's our last name. That's the person who is now in charge. And who are you going to be when you take that uniform off? Who in the middle of the night, when you're there sitting there thinking about it, who are you really going to be? What is your passion? What do you want out of life? If you want to be, as you were saying, a basket weaver, then man, get become the biggest nerd on basket weaving. Love that shit. Take it. Own it. That's why I do this. That's why I've been, you know, when I first got onto TikTok, I, I didn't think anything of it. You know, I I think I'm like around 8,000 followers. And I see these other guys that have like millions of followers. I'm like, who are all these people? But you know, that's why I got involved with this veterans drinking vodka crew, because they're doing these podcasts and they're talking to veterans about their actual their active duty service or their, you know, when they were serving. I am huge and advocating now for these veterans trying to get help. A lot of them, just like we were saying, they, they don't need any help. But you still see them sitting in a bar drinking by themselves or, you know, can't hold down a job, can't find, can't, they are losing their meaning in life. They're losing their purpose. And if you want to get into woodworking, if you want to just go fish, if you want to get into hiking, mountain climbing, if you want to be, you know, a volunteer firefighter, whatever it is, if that's what you're passionate about, go do it. Go find what is going to put that fire back in your life. Because once you find that, you, you own it now. And, and doing the scheduling thing for me is a big deal too. My wife has learned that from time to time. 
Yeah, you you really, really knock it on the head, man. And you, I really appreciate having you on here because your words, I, man, I can't, I've been saying exactly what you're telling them for, for the longest time, man. And every once in a while, I have to reevaluate myself even. Well, that, that's a constant. You you have to, and that's that's the part of this too that a lot of people don't realize. I'm still broken on a regular basis. I am not somebody that's like, got the world figured out. I'm doing great. You know, I, I have a, a, a great path in front of me, but I battle every day and I have to wake up in the morning and I have to get myself under control every day. And I have to make sure that I'm doing the right things every day. So anybody that thinks that they're going to step in and fix their problems or there's somebody is going to be able to fix them. That, that's not but, true. It, it's not that we're broken. And that's one of the, biggest things that I'm advocate for is when I hear people saying, oh, poor veterans have PTSD, you're broken. And, and I think that's a, uh, I think that's a broken way to look at PTSD and, and about combat trauma and moral injury. I think that's a very broken way and a very myopic way of looking at things because at the end of the day, my trauma, my PTSD is my issue to deal with. Mm -hmm. And the way I deal with them is going to be different than somebody else. And I use them every day to push me forward. I use the, 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 the losses that I've, I've you know, had in my life to push me forward on a daily basis. I use the, 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 the shit that I've been through to push me forward on a daily basis. And I will not ever allow it to hold me back anymore because that just defeats the purpose of me and having gone through all the negative stuff. You know, I use all of that negative stuff to really propel me forward and push me forward. And it has to be a constant reminder. I can't. I can't sit here and say that, you know, there's not a day that goes by that it doesn't affect me because it does. And that's it. And, and it, But I don't allow it to affect me in a negative way. I try to find the positives in it and push me forward. That's a really beautiful way to look at things, too. You know, a lot of these guys, uh, again, guys and gals, we mean guys and gals. A lot yeah. of the veterans are um, and, you know, that that's one of the biggest things The people come in, the poor veteran and everything like that. There, there are resources. There are there are lots of resources. There's some guys that just had a really tough go at it when they first got out. And, you know, they they they're used to having like you're talking about that very regimented scheduling. And when they're allowed to just float into space, they're, they're not sure where to go, what to do, how to do it. That's why I'm trying to do more f with our veterans, not, you know, just pour them, let's give them money, let's give them everything. Right. No, I want these guys to learn what to do when you're getting out. And I, I firmly believe that this, the programs inside the active duty military need to kind of be a little bit better. We, I have a two-year army, he's been in the army for about two, two and a half years, and he's trying to seek some type of mental health to kind of help him out because he's been feeling depressed or whatever. And they're talking about NJP in him. And I'm like, what the fuck kind of shit is this? That that sounds like a terrible way because this kid is going to get out. And a lot of them, the active duty guys, I tell them like, hey, man, go try and see somebody. We we uh, we literally found a dead body in the harbor of San Diego on a training. We were doing some training and uh, it was a suicidal from the Coronado Bridge. I had to let everybody know. I think I was an E5 at the time. I was still an E5 at the time. And I had to tell everybody, hey, guys, listen, that is not a normal thing to see. If you guys need to go and see a counselor, if you guys need to go and see a chaplain, if you guys need somebody to talk to, go do it. 
And I asked some of the junior guys, like, no, 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 it's fine. It's we're military. It's fine. I was like, no, this is not okay. This is not normal life that you don't normally just come across a dead body floating in the water. So if you need to go and see somebody, nobody's going to look down on you for it. And nobody should bother you about it. That apparent, there's this stigma around the military and veterans that going to seek help makes it you weak. To me, that is not the case. If I was to lose a limb and just say, fuck it, I lost that limb. That's how my life is going to be from now. No, I'm going to go seek therapy and they're going to give me the proper tools to live a full life. I'm not going to ever get my, my leg back or my arm back or whatever back, but I'm going to learn how to live a full life. I'm going to relearn how to go about my life. I'm not just going to give up and just say, fuck it. I'm, I'm going to deal without it. No, I'm going to try and get proper tools as we keep calling them to go, move forward and still live my life and be a happy person. So I, I think some of the issues that I've experienced, and I've seen a lot, a lot of other guys go through is that there are far too many guys and guys and gals while they're on active duty and after their active duty time that have no clue how to advocate for themselves. Mm-hmm. And that I think is something that needs to be brought to everybody and, and not even just, you know, military veterans, you need to advocate for yourself in this day and age in our society, folks need to learn how to advocate for themselves. And I mean, even down to the, to lose detail, we think that the way things are supposed to work is if you need to go see somebody, you go to a behavioral health specialist. If you're active duty, you're going to go to doc, doc's going to say, yeah, you need to go see a head doc. And you go to the head doc, and they're going to tell you, hey, take this screening, whatever they, they, the I, IQ 9 or whatever the hell the, the freaking forms are you fill out every time you go, right? So you're going to fill out all these forms. And some doctor who, as a young man or young woman, you look up to that you think they know what they're doing and you're looking up to them for their guidance, they're going to tell you what they want to tell you. But the problem is, is there's so many folks out there, so many veterans out there that take that word as gospel. And that's crap. Folks need to learn how to advocate for themselves. Because if I didn't advocate for myself in 2000, I guess it was 2014, when I first started going back in, you know, and then I went, I went to to see the the first person I went to go see, I think was a TBI specialist. And I I absolutely broke. And she was kind of like, you need to go see somebody else. You need to go see a psychiatrist. So, you know, that psychiatrist that I saw, she was a great woman. I have a huge amount of respect for her. She was very quick to sit down and say, you know what, Alex, I think you may be bipolar. We should have a conversation about you going on lithium. If I would have just said, wow, that sounds horrible. I should take your guidance. I would be a fucking zombie. Yeah. What if, quickly and easily put me on lithium because they thought that I was bipolar because I advocated for myself. I said, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't like the way that sounds. I went and I did my own research and I went and I looked at all of the stigma that comes with, with being bipolar. And I looked up all of both sides, the manic and the, the depressive side of it. And I said, okay, I meet some of the criteria on the, the manic side of it but I don't meet any of the criteria on the, on the, the, the depressive side of it. So why is she putting me on the, why does she want to put me on bipolar meds, which is lithium? It's a regimen of lithium. So 
I had to advocate for myself and go back to the head doc and tell her, listen, this is my plan. I'm coming up with my plan. I am going to work with my wife and my family. I now know what the indicators are that would lead me to believe that, hey, maybe I am bipolar and we're going to keep an eye on it for the next six months to a year. And if we, if I start displaying any of these particular things, then I will say, okay, we can entertain that conversation. And her response was, oh, okay, that sounds good. So pretty much I had to tell a, a psychiatrist what my mental health regimen should be. Again, I had to advocate for myself. And it's not just on the mental health side of it as well. The, the physical health side of it is unfortunately the same thing. Folks need to learn how to advocate for themselves. If it would have been up to the military medical doctors, they would have had me on a statin, you know, a, um, a cholesterol med 10 years ago because I have high cholesterol. You know, I have uh, traditionally high cholesterol in my body. All those MREs. <laughs> yeah. But the reality is, I said, hell no, I'm not going to just allow you to put me on a freaking a, a cholesterol medicine. I am going to do what I have to do to take control of my body, take control of my diet. I'm going to make corrective changes. I'm going to get control of this. And I've been monitoring it for 10 years. But if it would have been up to them, they would have put me on a cholesterol med 10 years ago. And I would have still been on it for the rest of my life. Again, you have to advocate for yourself. And that's what I think a lot of people don't do. So when they go to behavioral health, behavioral health department in all active duty, as well as the VA, the VA is infamous for it. The first thing they want to do is put you on meds. And I am an absolute opponent to veterans, especially veterans with combat related PTSD being immediately put on meds. Because yeah. unless you're yeah. willing to put the work in, to make the necessary changes along with that medication. And there is a time and place for medication, but unless you're willing to put the work in and put the time into making the lifestyle change that you need to make, that medication is just a Band-Aid and that Band-Aid will fall off. And when it does fall off, you're going to have a oozing, gaping wound. Yes, and sir, that sir. is one of the biggest problems in my Did opinion. Did you, uh, you ever heard that uh, short story, The Veteran in the Hole? Uh, yes, I think I did about the, when somebody reaches down to, to help them up or something like that. So, uh, in a quick, it, it's, it's a very, very small, uh, like paragraph. It's just a veteran is in a hole. Senior NCO comes by. So what are you doing? He's like, I'm stuck in this hole. I can't get out. So the senior NCO throws him an e-tool so he can try and he says, you got to dig in deep and push on. And then, uh, so he leaves. So he's digging in this hole, digging deeper. And then a uh, senior officer comes by and says, what are you doing? He says, I'm stuck in this hole. He's like, well, use the tools that your senior uh, NCO gave you. And he throws him a bucket. He says, now use the bucket. He says, you got to dig in deep and push on. So he digs in, uses the bucket. Then a therapist comes by or a psychiatrist comes by, says, uh, what are you doing? He says, I'm stuck in this hole. So he throws him prescription pills. He says, take these. You'll forget all about the hole. And so he starts taking the pills and he just sitting in the hole and he forgets completely about it, but he runs out of prescription. So now he wakes up, he's still in the hole and he's still deep in the hole. So a therapist comes by, therapist says, what's going on? He's like, I'm stuck in this hole. And he says, uh, can you tell me about the hole? Do your parents know about the hole? Have you always been in the hole? And so, you know, an hour goes by, he says, okay, your hour's up. I'll see you next week about the same time. Uh, and then a priest comes by and he says, what's going on? He says, I'm stuck in this hole. And he says, well, I'll pray for you. And he throws him a Bible and he leaves. And then uh, another veteran, a battle-worn veteran with PTSD is walking by and he hears him crying for help. He says, what's going on? He says, man, I'm stuck in this hole. So he jumps down in the hole with him. And a guy who's already stuck in the hole says, what are you doing? Now we're both stuck down here. And the veteran looks at him and says, yeah, I know. But I've been here before. I know how to get out. 
And that is one of the the things about our veteran community, especially guys like you, Gunny. And I, I man, I'm so glad that I got the chance to talk to you about all this stuff because if you rely you are, on any of those other people, then it's just a stopgap, and it and it's not going to truly you know help you. You have to, and that's where it comes down to to folks advocating for themselves, yes. standing up for themselves. Because I can only help somebody so much. I yes. can share my experiences. I can share what I've been through. But if somebody is not willing to, and, and this comes down to, um, uh, you know, post-service dealing with veteran suicide, you know, and, and there's just a reality of it as well. You know, it's unfortunate when, when, you know, good folks take their lives and it sucks no matter what, no matter how you look at it. But at the end of the day, if you have jumped in the hole with somebody and they have all the tools they need and you have done everything you can to show that person how to get out of that hole and work with them to get out of that hole and to help them to get out of that hole and they decide to stay in that hole, you can't feel guilty about it. You're right. You You're very out, right. You have to get out of that hole yourself and you have to move on. And that sucks, but that is a reality of it. And there are some people who, once they get in that hole, will not do what they need to do for themselves. Those yeah. that have yeah. done for themselves and gotten themselves out of that hole, they can want to do absolutely amazing things in this world, but it has to be that individual that needs to take that effort to, to step up and get out of that hole. You're very right, man. You are so very right. And Johnny, I want to throw one more thing out there as well. Because I know we're, we're, we're getting down close to an hour by now, but I have one very unpopular view as well, especially considering the fact that the, the name of the podcast is veterans drinking vodka. So Whatever well, the, the, my podcast, so they're they're my production company. Mine, my, 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 mine is called Article Fifteen, which is also not a very popular thing. <laughs> well, so a lot of what has helped me out over the last handful of years in, in my personal development, in my journey through life, and the journey in business, and, and my family, and everything else that I'm going through right now, is I had to really do some deep diving into what I was doing to myself physically. And taking and a big part of that for me, and I'm not saying everybody needs to do this. I, I cut alcohol out completely. Now I have not had a, a sip of alcohol in two and a half years now. I haven't smoked a cigarette in three years now. And it's not because I was like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing stupid shit. I'm getting locked up. I'm getting a DUI or anything else. But I came to the realization that alcohol and tobacco and everything else. And again, I know it's not going to be the most popular view. All it does is it, it, screws with your mind and any other substance out there that's really going to mess with your mind and uh, not allow you to perform it in optimal tempo is just going to slow you down in life. And that's it. And there's nothing wrong. I, I, I don't get me wrong. I'm not like, Oh, nobody should drink. You know, I have, everybody's got their own personal preference for me. It just was slowing me down and it was an obstacle that I needed to remove. It might be different for other people, for other people. It might be, you know, whatever their personal vice is, but identifying what your personal vice is and what your obstacles that you've created for yourself and removing those obstacles sometimes is the, the best thing you can do. And if that obstacle, another human being that you surround yourself with that is negative, that doesn't do something to better you as a person, as, as an individual, and you need to end that relationship with them and remove them from your life, and that's what's going to be best for you. 
And that's what you got to do. Yeah, you are so right in that. I, I bring that part up a lot. I got one of my videos in which I say, we have to figure out the right tools and the right people who are supposed to be in your life. Just because somebody has been in your life up until today, since you were born or you know, however many years, 10, 20 years, that does not make a difference. They might be on a different path than you and you need to release yourself from those prisons pretty much. The the yep. drinking, I'm not, I, I've never gone completely sober. There's spells where I just don't drink, just personal preference. But I, I'm not saying that it's, it's, you're not wrong. You are not wrong on that. There are some people who need to remove alcohol or tobacco or other substances from their life. And they, they have to come to that realization. But the only person, as you said before, the only person who is going to be able to stop it is the person who has the issue. And nobody else can do That's it. Right. You can't bully them into it. You can't sympathize them into it. You can't do anything. That's something, a self-choice, a self-decision that that person is going to have to make. But yeah, you, you're right. We are coming up on about an hour. Not that we, I, I man, I would talk to you for a couple of days <laughs> if I could, brother. And one of the biggest things that I'm seeing is you are a person who is in control. And I respect that. That is something that leadership, you see that a lot with with most leaders get that they take control of a situation, regardless of whether they've been in a job field or not, but you walk in and you're like, okay, this is unorganized. I'm going to organize this and we're going to make this work properly, regardless of the situation, regardless of where you're at. That's a leadership mentality. And anybody is able to take it on. You can be an E1 that just walked in the door. You can still be a leader. You could take the lead in your life. You are always going to be the leader in your life. As you said before, you, 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 it's you. You have to advocate for you. You, nobody is going to care. And it's the same thing as a business owner. Nobody's going to care about your business the way that you care. Nobody's going to care about your life the way that you are supposed to care about your life. And if you are out there helping other people and doing a great job at it, I respect that. But if you're starting to feel brought back or brought down or depressed, you need to step back. You need to take care of you again. As you said, you know, you took about a year to make sure that you were checking on you. I do that. I have to check on myself because if, if I'm not at a hundred percent, I'm no good to my family. They're number one in my life, regardless of what else I do. Gunny, thank you so very much for coming on. If for those who are listening, guys, if you know an active duty member or a veteran who would love to be able to come on, or if you think that they have a story or if they want to just come and talk, they are able to contact me uh, through the Veterans Drinking Vodka. Um, we, we are military, active duty for veterans to get in touch with. Obviously, we know the horror stories of the VA. It's a case-by-case basis with the VA. Depends on what state you're in, apparently. But there's other great non-for-profits, like I was talking, the Headstrong Project, getheadstrong.org. That's getheadstrong.org, all one word. Uh, they're a non-for-profit that ha- have helped me out, have helped my family out. There is Tackle 22 Fishing. There is Battle 22. There is uh, the Battle Buddy Response Team. They're doing amazing stuff over in your area, Gunny. You should definitely check them out. They're a great crew. They're out what of West What company Virginia. is that? Uh, Battle, what is it? Battle Buddy Response Team. They go to veterans' homes and try and get donations to help. They, they did one house for a veteran. They redid the flooring for them. They got a, a stove donated. They redid the roofing, the porch, and everything for this. It was an elderly veteran. 
but they they go to these places. I know of one that went out to California to talk to a veteran who isolated himself inside of his house and hasn't talked to family. So they went out there to go knock on the door. And it's it, these are all non for profs. Uh, Tackle twenty two fishing. My buddy Eddie, he's a uh, he's marine. He takes veterans fishing. Like I was saying, if you need to find something, that was Eddie's thing, man. He's got a story why he does it. And it's not mine to tell, but it was another Marine involved, a senior NCO that helped him out. But yeah, guys and gals, veterans, my female veterans, for sure. I'm always here. If you guys need to reach me through the uh, Veterans Drinking Vodka and uh, Gunny, if if at any point you're available to talk, I know you're on TikTok. Do you got any other social media apps that you'd like to, to put in there? So we're actually in the process right now of transferring all of my social media over to focus on the my business as well. So even the TikTok one, I'm going to start putting out some business content on there. I'm going to keep putting personal stuff out there, but we're all over. Well, not all over. We got a, I don't even know. It's all under Victor Bravo REI is going to be all the profile names. It's going to be a mixture of veteran related stuff, stuff for my business and then personal stuff that we'll be sharing on all of the platforms. Awesome, Gunny. Get again, brother. Thank you so very much for joining us today. Um, also, guys, since this is going to be dropping on Friday, I got on my red shirt. Red, it's a nice long sleeve by Battle 22. My buddy Chad will hook you up. Guys, reach out to him. Again, Gunny, thank you so very much for joining us. You have yourself a wonderful day, brother. Yeah, man. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to be on, and I'm sure we'll speak again soon. Yes, sir.